Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Morning, church. How are we today? Good? Perfect. So those, um, you know, I'm Jess. Um, I have been absolutely privileged to work under Bree this whole year in youth ministry, um, and it's my absolute privilege to be able to wear, um, to share the word with you today. So when Anthony first mentioned the idea of me preaching a sermon, I genuinely thought he was joking, and I laughed in his face. I genuinely thought that he might have lost his mind. I was terrified, and I'd spent all year telling him absolutely no whenever it would get brought up. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel like I had anything good or meaningful to say, and I kept thinking, why me? Turns out, wasn't joking, and I'm still up for debate on whether or not he's lost his mind, so we'll see a bit later. Over time, little seeds kept getting planted, and it turned into a, "Mm, maybe, but no thanks, until one day I was actually excited by the idea, and I finally said yes. I've kind of learnt to not to say no to God. So fun fact about me, I love all things ocean, whales, sharks. So when I was preparing for a Bible study with my small group, we got to pick a minor prophet out of the Old Testament so that we could lead a study on it. And you'll never guess it, but I picked Jonah. God works in mysterious and wonderful ways, and you'll understand why that was such a big thing for me when I finally picked Jonah and decided that I was going to preach on it. So it's not for the reasons that you may think. I actually picked it because, one, it's a shorter book of the Old Testament, and let's face it, the Old Testament's not an easy thing to read, but two, because it had a whale in it. But um, I'd never read Jonah. All I knew was Jonah and the whale. Little did I know this book was so vast in its depth of topics and teachings. So today I want to talk a little bit about the theme of disobedience versus obedience. Last week, Tim spoke about Jonah, the feelings of resentment, holding on to grudges. He asked us to reflect on what are we running from? Where are we looking for answers? Do you know God's power? And what's your response to God? There's usually a cost when you say no to God. So where we left off, Jonah was in the storm, but the story is not over. So before we dive deeper into the word, I just want to pray. So Heavenly Father... I just thank you for all who are here today. I pray that we can focus our eyes on you and your word. Father, would you still our hearts and minds so that each one of us can be drawn closer to you. I pray that we can open, be open to hearing whatever it is you want us to hear us today and that we can see things in a whole new light. Amen. So, something I love about the book of Jonah is that it's not necessarily a prophet's story, but it's actually a story about a prophet. So let me explain that a little bit further. Jonah's prophecy in this book is actually only one sentence. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Guess what? This isn't spoken until towards the middle. This book is all about Jonah. He's a minor prophet with a major message that being disobedient, sinning, turning away from God, it doesn't mean that you're not redeemable. Jonah shows us that only true repentance can bring salvation and that God is good through it all. 
so what does it look like to be disobedient? Is it when we don't do what God's asking you to do, so we lean in the opposite direction? Is it pure avoidance, being distant from God? What about putting things like prayer, scripture reading, worship, and quiet time with the Lord in that too hard basket or I don't have time for this? What happens when we feel like God is saying no to our plan? And what do we feel like when the world says otherwise? What happens? So guess what? I've been there. We've all been there. And we'll all go through some form of disobedience at some point in our walk with God. So what do we need to do to turn around and start following God's plan? Believe it or not, the answer is actually obedience. Being obedient leads to the clarity of God's plan for us. God's plan is and always will be greater than anything that we can think of for ourselves. So those, for those who don't know or don't remember, Jonah didn't just refuse God in a grand way. He disobeyed him. He ran from him. He chose to go in the complete opposite direction to what he was called to do. In Jonah 1.1, we read, God tells Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wickedness has come up before me. He directs Jonah to this great and populous city. He takes a one-way trip to the furthest place on the map. Jonah didn't just choose to go the distance. He got called to go east, so he went west. God asked him to go by land. He went by sea. And in Jonah 1.3, after paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, Nineveh is actually the capital of Assyria. And for those who don't know, Assyria invaded Israel in 732 BC. So realistically, Jonah is actually being called to go to the capital of the enemy 50 years beforehand to warn them of their wickedness. If you were here last week, Tim mentioned about the distance between Nineveh and Tarshish. It's basically the furthest you can get from each other. And as you can see on the map, it's the same distance as Perth to Ballarat. Now remember, there's no planes, there's no um, trains or cars. This is a pretty big distance for a walk. Sometimes we can take the deception of the enemy to veer away from God's plan for us. So let's consider this for a minute, and we think back all the way back to the beginning of time. We can see this in Genesis with Adam and Eve. If you think back to our awkward conversation series, Bree spoke about the tragedy of Adam and Eve disobeying God. They eat fruit from the tree of knowledge against God's instruction. But God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you're going to die. They were disobedient. The enemy tempted them. He used earthly things to tempt them into turning their backs from God's instruction and God's plan for them. God created Adam and Eve as good and perfect in his image. And it goes on to say, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They became ashamed, embarrassed of how God created them, naked. They wanted to hide from their father. They wanted to run from him. But in God's image, they were created perfect. But because of the enemy's deceitfulness, they felt inadequate. They were disobedient to the Lord's commands, and now they saw and did evil. Disobedience doesn't have to be something grand, a direct disorder of God like Adam and Eve. It doesn't have to be running away from a similar thing to the way that Jonah did. 
it could consciously be making a decision not to do what God's asking you to do, but disobedience could be turning away from him in the smallest moments. Have we ever been disobedient to God in the smallest of acts and sometimes without even knowing that we've done it? When have we not prioritized God? When have we chosen the earthly things over our time with God? So let's recap a little bit. So far in the story of Jonah, Jonah's ignored God's instruction to go to Nineveh. He's boarded a ship with pagan sailors. Now remember, these are non-Hebrew sailors who worshipped a different God. He travels in the complete opposite direction and a huge storm has arisen. A storm where even these experienced sailors were terrified and they feared for, his, feared for their lives. Eventually, they've all realized that the storm was actually caused by Jonah's disobedience and he does get thrown overboard in hope that God will have mercy and save them. The sea calmed. Following so far? The storm was really faith-defining for these sailors. They prayed to Jonah's God for forgiveness and for safety. The sailors were terrified. This storm was giant. And in Jonah 1.13, it says, Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew wilder than before. They couldn't get to safety in their own strength. They cannot do this without God. So when the sea finally calmed, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They came to know Jonah's God the God of heaven and the one who made the sea and the dry land. And they now made a commitment to him. Now, when the Bible says the men greatly feared the Lord, in this setting, it doesn't mean being scared or anxious about it. It's actually being overwhelmed and in awe of the vastness of God's power. Being able to see how immensely powerful God is that he's even able to calm raging seas, seas that experienced sailors have never seen. God uses Jonah's disobedience for God's own purpose. He can use all situations for his glory, regardless of our actions. But Jonah didn't get to play a part in this conversation with the sailors because of his own stubbornness. God can help us develop that character, and he will use all for good and all for the goodness of the kingdom. If you had told me a year ago, Jess, you're going to be preaching at church, I would have laughed and told you to get lost. I only recently came back to my faith in April last year, which is kind of insane to think that it's only been 18 months. I ran from God. I ran from my community, my people for many years. I made a conscious decision to walk away and to disobey God's plan for me. But eventually, it actually became an unconscious rhythm and pattern, and it was something I was doing without even thinking about it. I spent many years running from God and running from what I thought Christianity was, but the thing that I ran away from the most was the overwhelmingness of what I'd found. I'd found a community, a place that I was accepted and loved for exactly as I was, for exactly as I was created, for good. I'd used every means necessary to rebel against Christianity, and I'd seen the worst version of myself, and I spent a good portion of four years battling bad behaviours toxic environments, and just getting involved with the wrong crowds. I'd had my Jonah moment. I'd run from faith, community, and most importantly, God. I'd been in my storm. But God showed up. 
even through all of my disobedience and defiance, God showed up. God's grace and mercy is so, so good. He's a merciful God. He's a God of restoration and he's a God of reconciliation. So we all have storms, right? So I wonder what's yours? Even through Jonah's rebellion, God still pursues his child. Now, spoiler alert, Jonah was actually safe from the storm. God provided a sanctuary for him to allow him space to reflect and turn back towards him. He provided a big fish. Now, because I love whales, I'm actually going to call it a whale. And it's actually in the stomach of the whale that Jonah has his moment of pure surrender. He thought he was dead. All he could do was pray. It says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep of the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that would be the most ideal spot to have time with God or anything, really. This passage of Jonah is actually beautifully poetic, and I 100% recommend anybody to go and read the full passage of it. You can really hear the pain and suffering and the fear in Jonah's prayer at this time. So as Christians, we realistically only have two ways of living. We either have by living trusting in the man, or we, trust by living, we live by trusting in the Lord. This can kind of also be explained by living in the flesh or living in the spirit. Let me explain this a little bit deeper. On this side of the cross, by Jesus dying for our sins, he actually gave us a way so that we could live by the spirit. We're able to be born again with the Holy Spirit living inside us. And in Jeremiah 17:5, we read, Cursed is the one who trusts in man and who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. But in Jeremiah 17:7, just two verses later, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. When we trust in the earthly things and we trust in our plan rather than God's plan, the enemy uses a stronghold and chains us down to deter us away from God's plan for us. We have to lean into the spirit rather, and we have to seek him first rather than trusting in the earthly things. We can see this in Jonah, just in a slightly different way. For Jonah, this was before Jesus came, died and rose again, so he turned to God. Jonah was stubborn. Jonah wanted to live by the flesh and do his own thing rather than going down the path that God had set out for him. Jonah's actions had consequences. He went through a storm as a result and taking a whole extra path when he didn't need to. Now saying this, God uses all for good. So this time in the belly of the whale, it allowed him to spend a deep, intimate time with God. He prayed for three days, feared for his life, presumed he was dead. We can see, he says, the engulfing waters threatened me and the deep surrounded me. But you, Lord my God, brought me to life up from the pit. Jonah vows that he's going to make good. It follows on to say that what I have vowed I will make good. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. In Jonah's cry, God heard him. He saw his moment of weakness and surrender. He heard Jonah's vows and promises. And then 
The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. So, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I don't think he was particularly happy about it, but he definitely did go to Nineveh to proclaim that they would be overthrown because of their wickedness. Jonah had had his storm, literally. He realised that he could not survive without God. He relied on him. It just showed me that we can't do things in our own strength. How great is it that now, through Jesus, we get to have a deeper relationship with our Father, which means we can rely on his strength rather than trying to do it ourselves, just like Jonah did. Timothy Keller once said, The Bible does not say that every difficulty is a result of our sin, but it does teach us that as Christians, every difficulty can help reduce the power of sin over our sins. Storms from God can wake us up to the truth that we'll otherwise never see. They can develop faith, peace, humility, patience, self-control, love, nothing else that we can do ourselves, nothing else except God. All of this is from God. The good, the bad, the ugly, he knows all. He knows it all that has and knows what will come. And we as Christians have the best superpower to date. We have God. We have the promise that God will waste absolutely nothing. For those who have had a storm or you're currently in your storm, God will waste none of it. And it will all be used for good. Innumerable people have testified that they found faith in Jesus Christ and eternal life only because of a great storm that drove them towards him. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So, what do we need to do to turn around, stop running and start following God's plan? God's plan is always and will always be greater than anything that we can think of for ourselves. All he asks is for us to follow him. Jesus opened a way for us to be in a direct relationship with the Father, which means we can seek him and lean on him and see what his will is for us. All he asks is for us to prioritize him. Our obedience doesn't save us. But through a relationship with Jesus, we want to be obedient. It becomes a choice of obedience rather than just out of obligation. So I want to challenge you all this week. We have a few things to consider. In what area of my life am I running from God? Where am I being disobedient? What's my storm? What am I avoiding that is hindering my relationship with Jesus? Because only true repentance can bring salvation. And it shows God's compassion and mercy for all. What's stopping me from true repentance? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for sending Jesus down to save us so that we can be born again with the Holy Spirit living inside us. Father God, help us see what we're running from. Help us prioritize you. And Lord God, give us the strength to trust in you over everything else. Lord God, help us to be, want to be obedient and let it become an act of want over obedience, over obligation. God, we can see that your plan will always be greater than anything that we can think of for ourselves. And we praise you for knowing that all that has and will come. Amen.
you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.